0: Love, talk, radio. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. No, no, Brought to you
1: that. by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. And now, here's your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'.
0: Good to have you with us, everybody. It is Monday, February 27th. We're really racing through this first quarter pretty quickly, but it's good to have you join us. Again, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals for mortgage professionals, and we're thrilled that you would have us. Be a part of how you keep yourself current everything that's going on in the industry. So good to have you here with us. We're excited to have you join us, especially in this program, because we're talking more about servicing. We talked about that again the other day, or the other week, with Marina Walsh talking ahead of this loan servicing conference, generated a lot of feedback. So we had to go and reach out to two of our experts that are Really good at what they do. Talking on this topic, again, we have David Stevens and Austin Tillman joining us. Very excited to have them here with us with United Capital Markets. They will be um, joining us later in the program in the Hot topic segment to talk about, is this still the best time to be getting into servicing? What you should be doing? How should you be looking at it? You want to stay tuned. Very a lot of really great information on it, on uh, this hot topic. So a lot of companies coming into the industry saying, is this the right time? Should we hold them or fold them, as, they, as one of the, the Texas uh, card games says? But we're suggesting you may want to listen in because this could be an interesting time, a really good time. To be valuing servicing. So, got two experts on it. We'll be talking about it a little bit later in the program in the Hot Topic segment. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors ArchMI, the creator of the new innovative RateStar program, and Motivity Solutions, providing real time reporting dashboards and scorecards. Motivity Solutions, we'll hear about their KPI of the week here just a little bit later in the program. Also, Velma, an efficient mortgage marketing and email platform. It helps you get your message out to all of your targeted market. Simplify, man, really happy with Nancy Alley and the team there. They do a great job with a real-time electronic communication exchange, as well as the Mortgage Collaborative as a sponsor. The power of the network. We got the Winter Conference coming up later this week in Scottsdale. Looking forward to seeing all of our collaborative friends there. Also, DNH moving your world forward through technology. They have been in business for 140. Years they have over 5,500 employees worldwide with 8,000 clients in 70 countries. We're privileged to have a company so well established be a sponsor on the radio program. We're working on getting their ads up and running. They've been working on some new audio ads. We're looking forward to hearing from them. I'd rather have our sponsors tell their story themselves, they do such a great job on it. So, anyway, check out H's Mortgage Bot application, their all in one LOS program, as well as check out dnh.com or call 1-800-815-5592. Also, a very special thank you goes out to Andy and Joe and Paul and Sam. Alice is not with us today. She's on vacation. Down in Florida, visiting our dear friend, mutual friend, Alice. Alice and her husband, Andy, are visiting their our mutual friend, Jan and, uh, and Jim Boggs. So it's good to have them. Jan Wetzel, many of you know who's retired from the industry. So they're down there enjoying the sun. Wish them the best. Also, let's talk about what's coming up at MBA conferences. The uh, again, I already talked about the, uh, the Mortgage Collaborative Conference that's coming up in Scottsdale at the Omni Scottsdale Resort. If you're there, look forward to seeing you there. Uh, but March 26th through the 29th, that's the NBAs National Technology Conference and uh, an Expo. It'll be at the Hyatt Regency in Chicago. We'll be doing a broadcast from the booth there at uh D&H's booth there in the exhibit hall. So be sure to check, come by and check us out. So good to have you with us. And uh, let's get over and talk to Joe Farr and what is going on in the markets. And I'm looking for Joe Farr as I scramble to get his mic turned on. And for some reason, Joe, hold on. Did you dial in with uh, – we're looking for you, Joe. Hold on. I'm looking for your microphone. Well, while we're working on getting Joe's – identifying Joe in the, the switchboard here – we're um, taking a look at what's going on in the markets. It's really interesting. Joe, if you could dial back in for some reason, you're not showing up on the switchboard. Now, that is a first, not something that we have happened very often. But you've got to check out MBS Quote Line's website. There's some great material there, and I encourage you to look at it and see what's happening in the markets. I do not know how people are able to deal with the markets if they can't look at what's going on. So Joe sent me his notes. I'm looking for him to dial back in and hopefully we'll have him joining us directly. But, um, one of the things that I'm looking at at the markets right now is the, the markets are definitely just moving south, a little up and down motion as we look at it. Durable goods uh, came in today just slightly uh, better. There's Joe. We got you back. Now I can get the microphone turned on. Joe, so glad hey, I was Dave. scrambling to get your website up and working. Don't know what happened there, but it's good to well, have it you. It like you're doing me. a fine job. You want to just go well, on and I was on? Well, I was really interested in your comments, especially in the pending home sales numbers that came out at a negative 2.8%. I mean, and Yeah, that was a surprise. Real surprise.
2: But you know, the the
0: data this morning,
3: the the durable orders, you know, kind of matched expectations, but pending home sales fell 2.8% from, uh, 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 what was that, December, and – only a, a, a one-tenth increase or one percent increase was expected, so it was a bit of a big miss. Even even with that big miss, we didn't see a favorable reaction in the market to uh, to that miss. What we've seen in reaction uh, in the market is a reaction to some comments from Dallas Fed President Kaplan in a speech uh, just kind of uh, midday here at noon. He he reiterated a comment that others have made, saying that. Uh, you know, uh, some hikes are are maybe necessary this year. He anticipates faster growth than what is currently in the uh, you know sort of the expectations. And and uh, you know he was saying that um, you know if they don't raise rates uh, soon enough, then they may have to raise rates very quickly, which is a theme others have said. Um, but since it's just one more version of it, it's one more chance for the market to react and they are reacting negatively today. So, uh, we're about at the low for the day, which is four or five thirty seconds off, uh, where some people could that. have priced. So there's a, you know, a minor chance of unfavorable repricing, but a chance nonetheless, if you have loans locked, probably not a bad time to go ahead and do it. Um, so, uh, let's look a little bit at last week, Dave, it was, uh, A good week for mortgage rates. Uh, I hadn't been able to say that too often uh, in the last few weeks, but it was a good week for mortgage rates. Uh, There were several pretty important drivers of it. One, the Fed minutes contained no surprises, and that that was a situation where the market kind of uh, fell off in in anticipation of the Fed minutes, and then when the minutes came out and there wasn't anything new in the minutes, no surprises, uh, prices recovered. So uh, that day kind of had no real movement, but uh, a good bit of intraday movement. Um, the presidential election in France is getting a lot more attention. I think la- last couple days of last week was a situation where the market saw a bit of a shift to safety as uh, the uh, the the lady running for president that's on the very conservative side uh, uh, had some good polling numbers and seems like every time she performs well uh, in the polls, the markets react, react to that in a shift to, to safety. Uh, she is the candidate who is in favor of exiting the European Union and, and no longer using the euro. And the concerns are there, like in Brexit. Uh, the concerns are there as to what kind of effect that would have on the European Union. And, um, you know, that, that has created uncertainty, and, and MBS prices and mortgage rates benefit from that. The uh, where am I here? The the economic data had very little yeah. effect last week. Although the existing home sales number uh, was the best level in a decade, uh, it was a little bit misleading. I think it could have shown that people were kind of in a rush to buy in in order to avoid the rising rates that had been seen in uh, after the election. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, and that was in spite of, uh, of a low inventory level and and probably further reduce inventory level as that inventory levels ended uh december at one of the lowest levels it's ever been uh and I think we mm. saw that in the form of new home sales this this uh this week as the contract signed for new home sales in january uh fell off a good bit and and that is most likely due to lack of inventory uh but consumer sentiment fell. Uh, but that was off a very high number, so uh, I think you can consider that the the consumer is still feeling pretty good about himself. This yeah. week, yes, sir. there are some pretty Power. important things this week, Dave. Uh, really interested in this week
0: because there's yeah because of the potential volatility that they could represent. So, yeah. So what about GDP? GDP.
3: Well, GDP second look at GDP comes out tomorrow at eight thirty Eastern time and. There's an expectation that it's going to rise a little bit. I think by two tenths, from uh, 1.9 to 2.1. It, it, you know, if it misses by a whole lot, that could be market moving. Uh, the speech tomorrow night by the president before Congress could be market moving. You know, no one quite knows what to expect okay. in that speech, and uh, the, whatever he says regarding policy, fiscal policy, and and uh, uh, could have an impact on, on MBS prices at, by the time you get to work on Wednesday morning. Core PC comes out Wednesday morning, 8.30 Eastern time. And that's that, to me, is carrying a good bit more importance than usual. You know, it is a very important measure of economic act, uh, activity and inflation within the economy. And, uh, you know, with with inflation and labor being sort of right on the tipping point, uh, where the Fed will consider it uh, acceptable, then uh, a big number on the P- core PCE tomorrow or on Wednesday could be a big market mover. Right now, it's expected to show an increase of three-tenths, which on a year-over-year basis would, would get core PCE to 1.7%, up from 1.6%, which again is on that path to the 2% level that they're expecting or that they, they hope to get to. So. That could have a, a big influence on the Fed, and then the ISM activity comes out this week. That's always a big measure, and you might remember last week the uh, the, the preliminary look at the at these manufacturing and services industry data was uh, showed some weakness. So we'll see if it comes out to be true in the actual numbers. ISM manufacturing comes out on Wednesday at 10, and ISM services comes out, out on Friday at 10. There are Fed speakers uh, every day this week. There, Janet Yellen speaks on Friday at 1. Um, all those things could move the market. And, and with how volatile the market's been lately, I'd be surprised if um, many of those things don't uh, have a significant don't, influence yeah. on, the, exactly. on yeah. MBS prices. Yeah. So stay yeah. tuned.
0: Stay tuned. Yeah, And I don't know how people stay tuned without your website. I keep talking about this all the time everywhere I go. MBS line, the most dependable, quick easy access telling you what you need to know and I encourage you to sign up for it. if you want to learn how stay tuned to this message we're going to be right back paul Mallo is on the line and looking forward to getting his feedback on insights into the news what's the latest happening so stay tuned for paul malo but stay and listen to how you can get signed up for mbs quote
1: looking for that competitive edge MBSQuoteline.com MBSQuoteline.com 646-716-4972 The Lickin' on Lending Show is back. Here is your host, David
0: Lickin. Good to have you with us, everybody. And we have Paul Mollo on the line giving us an update on the headlines. So, Paul, good to have you here. Happy Monday to you.
4: Happy Monday to you, David. What's going on?
0: So, tell us, I mean, G S E B. Seller buybacks tumble to a low record. That's got to be some good news that Bancroft's writing about here. I like that.
4: Uh, Yeah, listen, the GSEs are in the news. You know, they're on uh, everyone's lips. Uh, They ended the year with, shall we say, a pretty good year uh, earnings-wise, almost uh, $10 billion. Uh, That's not bad. Uh, Some of it's due to uh, interest rates going up and them getting the mark-to-market favorably, uh, some of their uh, hedge-counting. Uh, having to do the derivatives positions uh but anyway listen uh, the state of the the state of the union is not tomorrow night by the way that is called the uh a uh, speech a joint a speech before joint uh, session of congress uh state of the union usually comes a year later so people might be wondering isn't this the state of the union speech now that w- that comes in a year from now just just to clear that up yeah uh, it and good. uh anyway yeah uh, people forget that it's uh whatever a, a joint session of congress speech the first one President makes Fannie and Freddie uh buybacks uh, you know this was a huge story years ago because the numbers were huge and it's sort of an interesting story now because you know they're at rock bottom levels the end of the quarter with um roughly two hundred and seven million dollars in g s e buybacks uh this is by the seller servicers who got loans jammed back to him by Fannie and Freddie, two hundred and seven million dollars a little over a billion dollars for the year. that's down about thirty six percent from two thousand and fifteen. Good news for the industry and good news for Fannie and Freddie. Uh, Not so good news, the second story, uh, gain on sale margins are slipping, according to some early uh, reporting done uh, by the folks at Piper Jaffrey. That's not surprising. Listen, margins have tightened, uh, applications are down, fundings are down, uh, and therefore secondary market uh, pricing is falling. Uh, I'll be interesting to see what happens. We did our warehouse story. We're going to run our warehouse commitment numbers in in a day or two on the website. And uh, usage rates are down, production's is down, uh, and lenders are trying to figure out you know, whether March is going to be better than January and February, uh, and they hope so. Uh, the question is what kind of spring the home buying season is going to look like and what that's going to mean for funding. But, you know, it depends. Every lender I talk to has got a different story. Some are very optimistic about purchases, filling in the void, uh, others not so much. The non-prime guys like uh, Angel Oak and Dan Perlow over at Citadel, they're feeling darn good about the year. So we'll see. Uh, Brandon Ivey, our intrepid reporter for non-conforming and uh, MBS, he is out at the Vegas show, Uh, CISFIG. uh 7,000 uh, financial oh, professionals are seven there.
0: 7,000?
4: 7,000. Seven wow. Interesting. Uh, Brandon yeah. also points out in the short take section, uh, Fannie and Freddie, the joint um The joint security, the single security, they have a booth at the show this year. That might be a first, and that's part of Common Securitization Solutions as Fannie and Freddie move to uh, having a single security. Uh, They feel good enough about it. They have a booth down there in Vegas. So Brandon will be filing reports from the show, so check the website tomorrow and uh, Wednesday, I should say. Uh, what else we got? We got uh, in center. Uh, that's IMA out in Denver. They're selling about a billion to fanny Freddie bulk rights. We've had a number of bulk deals uh, out there. Mountain Views out there with deals. Pressbooks out there. MIAC's out there. I, I'm sure I forgot people. Phoenix and there's a few others. So that market's heating up quite a bit. Uh, the revised GOP reform plan. Brandon Ives got a story out there. About what that means for the rating agencies, it looks like there's going to be some changes. On that, we'll uh, we'll know more when uh, Jeb Hensarling reveals his choice act soon. Uh, so keep an eye on that. In the short take section, we talk a little bit more about the sing, uh, single security. Uh, we did a, a column on Friday about all the lawsuits against uh, the government having to do with the Fannie and Freddie and the net worth profit sweep. Uh, recent appeals court ruling didn't go away. The investors got quite a bit of mail about that one. Uh, anyway, hmm. it's not looking good in some regards for the uh, investors, some of whom were speculators in that stock uh, years ago. And But uh, in one hand, people are hanging on to this little uh, piece of wording that came out and, um, in that ruling that has to do with con- the contractual rights, of the shareholders. Uh, I'm talking about the junior preferred shareholders mostly and some of the common uh people are hanging on to that, uh, that maybe uh, down the road they'll get some kind of settlement or one of these court decisions are gonna go their way. Uh, listen, I don't know how this this, this Fanny Freddie lawsuit stuff's gonna play out, but I gotta tell you the interest in in and is huge as what, thirty or so lawsuits against the government having to do with the takeover yeah. and the taking case and the changing of the rights of the preferred stock. Uh, back in two thousand and twelve it's a fascinating story uh and uh, you know I write about it all the time and get a lot of emails on it when something um ruffles someone 's feathers on I got some some more this weekend anyway check it out it 's all there uh and that 's about all the good stuff for today
0: interesting, fascinating you know when you when suing the federal government i'll tell you my wife grew up downwind of the nuclear Hanford facility in eastern Washington. They did control releases, ridiculous incident rate above, way above normals, uh, for all the people downwind. She had some issues as a result of that, health issues. And I tell you, you trying to sue the federal government, I don't think. It didn't work so well for millions who joined in on that lawsuit. So we'll see what happens with Fannie and Freddie. Glad you're tracking that stuff, though, Paul. You do a
4: great yeah, job listen, on your website. I, yeah, right? I mean, the odds are against you when you sue the federal government, uh, it yeah. doesn't matter what what the topic is, but anyway, I mean, someone uh, I wish someone would come out with a analysis of all the lawsuits over the last uh, say 40 years, uh, where the federal government was sued and what the uh, the win rate was. I I would guess it's pretty darn low. But anyway, it is what yeah, it well, is. Yeah,
0: well, I think the bet Mitch Kiders, who we had on the program last week with what he did with PHH, is probably the closest to a victory we've seen in the mortgage yeah, industry in yeah. any time. So we'll, pictures, we'll see where sure, that goes. Yeah,
5: that. yeah,
0: it's going to be interesting. All right. Thank you so much. Encourage everyone to check out Paul's website, IMF News. You can sign up for the daily newsletter. It'll land in your inbox. All you have to do is put in your email address at the bottom of the website, Hit the sign up button, that yellow button, and it'll bring it to you. Great information each and every week. I encourage you to check it out. And it's imfnews.com. Paul, thanks so much. Have a great week and thanks look to. forward to seeing you back here next week, my friend. Excellent. Sounds good. We're going to be back right after a quick word from our sponsors, Velma, and the electronic marketing machine, and it is a machine, so stay tuned. We'll be right back after this message. Are you using one of those expensive CRMs that your loan officers won't use? If so, then give my friends at Velma a call and let them help you create a customer journey that relies on the data and not on loan officer interaction. I encourage you to consider working with Velma to create a truly automated marketing experience for your organization. Velma makes marketing automation easy. Schedule a demo today at Velma.com, V-E-L-M-A.com.
4: Simplifile has technology that gives you the ability to collaborate with settlement agents via real-time chat and messaging, allowing you to track changes, send, receive, and validate documents as well as obtain status updates and deal with issues as they arise. All of this in a real-time electronic communication exchange. And best of all, you have a complete audit trail of all communications. To learn more, go to simplifile.com or call our good friend Nancy Alley at 1-800-460-5657.
0: I tell you, Nancy and the company over there do a great job. encourage you to check out them as well as Velma. It's always fun to have Alice Alvey on here, but you know, she gets to take vacations occasionally. She's off celebrating Jan Wetzel's birthday. We won't talk about the number of calendar pages it is with Jam, but it's uh, she, <laughs> she's doing outstanding. She's enjoying her retirement years. They both called me on Saturday, and then uh, just it's really fun to see uh, the friendships that you form in this industry. I think you may say it's true of any industry, but this being a relationship industry, it is special. So anyway, we're going to miss Alice's report. She'll be back next week again. Alice is with Indicom Mortgage U. And I encourage you to check out the website at net, or you can go still, I think uh, the mortgage com website is still up, so check it out, great place to go. So let's run over to Sam Garcia, I always love Sam, and Sam on the radio program, he has got, uh, again, a website that has a lot of great news, but it's also got the great reports, So that's the value, That one of the things that I love about it, so Sam, good to have you dialing in from sunny Dallas, how you doing, my friend? Hey David It's not quite that sunny, maybe it's sunny
6: down in Austin, but not yeah it's it sunny
0: down here, At it's pretty decent, yeah
6: it is it is a little humid, but uh you know beats beats the cold weather that uh sometimes we have to experience, but yeah, sorry, we missed uh Alice this week. It's always good to listen to her. She really does uh, seem to teach people a lot. I could see why she is, where she is, and why she's thought of so highly, yeah, anyway,. Yeah, so, right. so you
0: thought highly of, So and so is your website. you got a great website with a lot of content, so let's cover some of the news stories that you're covering, and if you wouldn't mind, let's get through some of that, But and, I, and then I want to talk about some of the data there that you have available, some of the rankings and some of the shifts that you might be seeing there, so that's some of the information I was focusing on on your website today earlier, so go for it.
6: Yes, um, our mortgage market index, which is an indication of upcoming loan originations based on average per user rate lock uh, volume by clients of open close, was mostly unchanged this last week. And, uh, you know, given that we don't apply seasonal adjustments to the index and that last week included uh, the President's Day holiday, uh, that's pretty impressive uh, that it actually stayed uh, steady with the week before. Um, and fueling last week's gain were rate locks for refinances, it's like you just can't shake those things you know (laughs) the rates drop a little bit and the people I think try to jump in and uh, grab what they can before it's all just uh, all gone and no chance for improving their loan but anyway so that's always good news to hear uh, that we've got strong new activity and potentially uh, indicating some good originations up ahead Um, last week the uh, HUD OIG issued a fraud bulletin and that indicated that they 've uh, come across a rash of cases where they uncovered uh, that identity of FHA appraisers had been uh, stolen by other appraisers. Mm. Um, the notice indicated that most of the schemes happened when FHA appraisers provided their personal identification numbers for desktop appraisal software to a colleague or a supervisor in order to speed up you know a particular uh, loan or help get a uh, report out sooner so they basically cautioned against giving it out to anybody. Um, Black Knight put out a report indicating that 30-day delinquency, excluding foreclosures, fell to quarter percent in January from 4.42% in December. Um, and that's interesting because we've been getting some mixed reports uh, in the last couple of months about where delinquency is going. Um, at the same time, the foreclosure inventory uh, declined to 0.94% from 0.95% at the end of last year. So good news on loan performance. Yeah, um, you know, we uh, recently uh, I, I went to the MBA servicing conference in Grapevine, Texas, and I sat down with Aquins Chief Compliance Officer, Michael Hollerick. And we talked about how uh-huh. he's basically overhauled compliance uh, at Aquin, which uh, since he joined the company in April 2015, of course, with the hope help of a pretty good staff over there. And, you know, Aquin ob- obviously has faced uh, a lot of regulatory hurdles and some settlements, so it was very important that it did, you know, turn around this, its compliance uh, operations. Um, this turned out to be one of our most impor- uh, popular stories last week. Um, among the many steps he outlined in the story, um, were that he's uh taken uh compliance training uh he's, you know improved that for Aquan employees you know for instance the the training's much more focused now you know the employees used to have to study all of uh pretty much all the compliance uh modules that they uh, that they had and now they basically identify those employees who are proficient in certain areas and they don't require them to study those topics and in fact now they're using those same employees to help other ones learn so it's a much more efficient program the employees are more motivated about it um, you know, they've done a whole lot, and uh, it's a good read if uh, you know if you're, you're at a company and you want to do make some improvements to your compliance to hear what they've done. Obviously, they're a pretty big company, and they had a much bigger impetus to to go out and make some changes. So, uh, anyway, um, we published a story about Impact Mortgage earnings. Um, of course, that's in line with the rest of our uh, mortgage production statistics that we put out, uh, and you know, Impact Chairman and CEO Joe Tomkinson's called 2016 the best year in more than a decade. But, you know, as you know and much of your audience knows, Mortgage Daily focuses on uh, mortgage originations and how they've done. And at right. impact, their, their origination sank 31% between the third quarter and the fourth quarter Ooh. to $2.3 billion. And what's even more significant is that um, their locked pipeline went from uh, it dropped to 0.6 billion in the fourth quarter from 1.2 billion in the third quarter down by half. So basically that's pointing to a steep decline in first quarter production of this year. We'll see what happens, but, uh, that was just, you know, they were on the way up and they had an acquisition not too long ago, which helped push, you know, production up higher. We'll see where it goes, but it doesn't look good for the first quarter as far as the volume. Um, Uh, MSRs on $1.2 billion in GSC loans were announced for sale by in-center mortgage advisors, and 41% of those loans, uh, which are GSC loans, of course, are secured by California properties, while 10% are secured by Texas homes. Um, One last thing I wanted to cover real quick was that uh, MGIC put out a bulletin last week, and they loosened their guidelines in a number of different areas. Um, some of the programs have higher loan amounts, others have higher loan to value ratios, and they also lowered required credit scores on some programs so Nice to see that because, gosh, I remember right when we saw the, you know, what, 2007, 2008 as things were just crashing. and You could just see every week there was always new tightened guidelines at, at mortgage insurers, and uh, it was just a trend that didn't stop for a while. So it's nice to see, the, you know, MGIC and some of the other players out there, too, uh, you know, continuing to loosen their guidelines and showing less restrictive requirements. So. Um, but those are some of the biggest headlines we had over this last week. <clears throat> and um, you said you wanted to talk a little bit about statistics. Um, of course, we're in, we're getting <laughs> to the tail end of earning seasons here for the fourth quarter, um, and what we've seen primarily is that we've seen a slight decline at most companies in quarterly mortgage production. Um, of course, that was expected as we saw rates start to climb towards the end of the year, and um, we see that. There's a mix of uh, applications because you know you look at applications and you look at rate locks to kind of get a, a sense where first quarter, you know, the current quarter's originations right. are going to be. Um, generally, they are weaker across, you know, mostly across the board. There are a few companies that uh, saw an improvement, but. I think we're going to see a first quarter, uh, a set of first quarter reports that really reflect uh, lower uh, originations than what we saw basically uh, in the fourth quarter. And of course, you know, we've seen a lot of as we cover these economic outlooks from um, Fannie, Freddie, MBA, and they all, of course, pointed to lower originations this year. Um, And what's going to be interesting is we know that refinances are slowing, but um, how much are purchases going to pick up? been very modest what their predictions were you know purchases are going to be slightly stronger but um like i mentioned before kind of you know i get the sense we're going to see much more strong purchases we're seeing all these signs out there right now that you know credit is loosening more and more and uh people are you know lenders or investors are taking more risks and um you know what else i'm seeing is kind of a lot more activity on the wholesale side um mortgage brokers as originators And, and that kind of yeah. makes sense because, we you know, when you have shifts in the market, a small company that can make changes really quickly and jump into whatever the opportunity is right away. Um, so um, I'll be interested to see if we see continued increase in wholesale programs and, uh, you know, loosening, of course, in some of those programs too. But, yeah, have been seeing some of that recently. So, um, you know, good for brokers. Um, and the more wholesalers there are, obviously, the uh, – the more opportunity there is for mortgage brokers who used to drive the industry as you remember a decade ago, um, more opportunity for them. And of course, you know, mortgage brokers today, gosh, they're such a different group than they were. Gosh, I remember I used to be out in the field 20, 30 years ago, and anybody could be a broker back in those days. And now, you know, the average broker's been in the business at least 10 years, and uh, they're educated. They have background checks. Um, It's just a it's a nice overhaul. It's a different, of, yeah,
0: it's a the, different crop, yeah.
6: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, group. is yeah. that
0: what you've seen, too? Yeah, exactly. Same thing. Good report. I love the perspective, especially like the shift of focus. You, you shine the light on the things that we need to go see, Sam. That's what you do at your website. I really encourage our listeners to check out your website at mortgagedaily.com or get a hold of Sam at at com. Or call them at 214-521-1300. Sam, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to jump in here and be with us. Appreciate it. I appreciate it, my friend. Good talking. You betcha. Talk to you soon. We're going to be right back after we hear from Jim Jump with uh, ArchMI. A lot of things going on there, but the RateStar program definitely still leads the market. We'll be right back after this brief word with Andy Shell, the Profit Doctor. Thanks, David. We're proud to be a sponsor of your program, and we're excited about the success of ArchMI's RateStar. Our dynamic risk-based pricing program gives LOs a real competitive advantage. With RateStar, lenders can qualify more eligible first-time borrowers, including millennials. Reach out to them with Revolutionary Rate Star. Encourage you to do so, folks. It, it is really revolutionary when you look at the pricing and the money you can save your customers. So, appreciate that, Jim, very much. Uh, check them out. Go over to the website. Go to our website. Click on the link. it will take you to their website. A lot going on there. And uh, let's talk about a lot going on. We've got the Profit Doctor in the house. Always fun to have you here, Andy Shell. Good to have you Hi here, Hi, Dave friend.
1: Lickin. It's always fun to be here.
0: Yeah, well, so, um, I, I can't wait to hear you. You, you, t- you always guys have some great perspective on it, and uh, really interested to hear uh, common security. Will, uh, will, will that work? And, and as it relates to Fannie Mae's day one certainty, I know I think you're going to be covering that.
1: Well, you know, Paul was talking about the the path toward a common security with Fannie and Freddie, and and, and right. part of the issue around that is the credit assessment and the the rating structure and so part of the credit assessment is based on the validation of the borrower information and the validation of the property and all this other stuff and fanny has just set the world on fire with this new day one certainty it's it's got rev waiver which is really cool but it's even better for the customer so when you consider the Customer journey, what what their experience is like, and we've got good friends up in the northwest who are really focused on enhancing the customer journey. Day one certainty just makes that quick and easy because income is validated, employment is validated, the property is validated. So all this stuff happens just behind the scenes through the Fannie um, AUS basically, and and Freddie is kind of a uh, you know kind of behind the behind the curve a bit. They they're not quite there. And so how are you going to have a common security when you've got such a diverse uh, structure in the credit assessment? Because Fannie's would, could argue that their assessment process is more robust because they're actually going out and doing it themselves, not relying on anybody to do it for them. So the counterparty risk side of the waiver uh, um, Being able to waive the rep is that they did it themselves and have a higher degree of certainty about the data. So anyway, interesting, interesting detail. It is interesting. I did have a comment, too, about servicing, since we're going to be talking to two experts in the field, uh, Dave Stevens and Austin Tillman coming up. And just as soon as I stop talking, just about. Um, so I, <laughs> wanted to, right. I wanted to. I but wanted to. No, I wanted to frame I like it your stuff. wisdom. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, frame it up. <laughs> I wanted to frame this up, Dave. You know how. You know how mortgage companies work. You know, I've both been presidents of mortgage companies, and so we're in our meetings and we're talking to the executives, and someone comes in and they go, "You know, I just got back from that conference, and everybody's retaining servicing. We should retain servicing." And someone else goes, "Yeah, let's retain servicing." And someone else goes, "That is a great idea. Let's retain servicing." And so they call secondary marketing, and say, we're going to start retaining servicing, make it happen. Well, you know, and that—that and that is in that, that, I make that sort of as a comical story, but the, the fact of the matter is that's actually kind of more of a reality about how people Maybe. decide to get into servicing. And so they'll go, you know, we can get an MSR financing facility, so that's 50% of the cash flow, so we're all good, we're set. Well, you know, there's a lot of details and – what about the other 50% of the cash flow you're now not going to have because you're retaining MSRs? And, and what about a cash flow forecast? You know, we we heard from uh, Mark Jones several weeks ago who has a, some deep in the weeds experience in retaining servicing mm-hmm. and the 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 the, the O S dot 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 moment when you all of a sudden you realize cash is <laughs> Oh my word escrow advances what do you mean we have to come up with more money so there's just so many pieces to this so there's there's about there's a lot of what ifs if you're a depository and all of a sudden you're worried about 250% capital risk weighting how are you going to deal with that so the thing about servicing is it is an amazing business it is an amazing cash flow stream but it is not Simple. People have this vision of a bunch of people sitting in the basement with metal desks with the lights turned down low, and that's the servicing department. And it is, it's is—it's complicated, it's dynamic, it's, it's subject to market risk, and it does generate amazing cash flows, and it's, and it's, a, it's a great natural hedge against drops in production volume and servicing value start to climb and the MSRs extend, and you get servicing value over time collected monthly through the service payment you collect for the agencies, but but there's a lot to it. And I, um, Austin and Dave are going to be able to really help expand that knowledge base more for folks. So I'm excited to have them tell us more about this.
0: Yeah, especially with the recent changes in the Urban Institute when they change service or compensation and what that means. So it's going to be really interesting. I can't wait. So thanks for staying tuned, jumping into the discussion. We're about to launch. Appreciate it, Andy. Good to have you with us, friend. And for anyone uh, wanting sure to get a hold of it. you, anyone's getting a hold of you, give them your uh, it's your email, Andy at mbs-team dot com, correct? correct? Best way yes, to connect Yes, sir, you?
1: that's it. You got it.
0: All right. Well, without further ado, we're going to get right in with that good opener. We're going to get right in, turning on the mics for both Austin Tillman and David Stevens. Austin is president, CEO. Ooh of United Capital Markets Incorporated, located in Denver, Colorado. And he's joined today with his uh, partner in uh, Much Prosperity. I was going say partner crime, no crime about this. What they do, they really help lenders get business, get, analyze their servicing. And so we're bringing in David Stevens, the COO and CFO for United Capital Markets, on the call as well. Gentlemen, good to have you here. Really appreciate you taking time to join in with us.
2: David, uh, thank you very much. It's uh, I, I think that the last time we were on your show was 2015. Certainly man, a lot of change. it sure too long? That's
1: too long. Uh, it has been oh, that oh long. Man. We see
2: each other at every conference, but um, you know it's, it's been a while since we've been on. I'm not sure that I could add anything to what to Andy's backdrop. Uh, we do have a yeah, little it's... different topic that we'd like to talk about. Um, yeah. But, well, let's get into actually, that. What you is know, your hot topic
0: in the servicing world? I mean, there is some really interesting hot topics, but what's the one that you're focusing
2: your clients on? Well, this is brand new. Um, it's brand new, but it started back in 2011, and it looks like it's going to be back on the front burner very soon, and that's servicing compensation. Right. I mean,
0: I remember that. And weren't the regulators proposing a service fee to be reduced by three to eight basis points or even replace a service or a fee for service at one point?
2: Dave, that's exactly right. It was zero, three, or eight basis points, which if you think about, you know, what's happened, that would have been uh, absolutely devastating. Uh, But there are a couple of proposals um, and the other one. Uh, was to put a fee for service. Was to put the fee for service in, but also have a reserve for the possibilities that delinquencies would increase.
5: I remember that. Now, now, what's
0: triggering this new
2: attention?
5: Dave, this is uh, Dave. But l- let me have you your on, listeners David. first. Yeah. I, i'm the real dave stevens uh not <laughs> that imposter yeah. at the nba
1: <laughs> yeah he misspells it your favorite quote longer. is you yeah. uh, <laughs> for several years that he
0: misspells his name with a b and you got a ph you got it right i love that guy yeah
5: yeah that's hilarious
0: so, but uh but seriously there has been some new things triggering things here and, and i'd like to bring us up to date
5: well uh Earlier this month, the uh, Urban Institute issued a report that led with the headline quote, "Updating mortgage servicing now will ensure the mortgage market better serves all Americans." Close quote. And then it concluded, "quote We need to update mortgage servicing to make it easier for creditworthy borrowers to obtain a mortgage." What does
4: that mean? <laughs>
5: Good question. Uh, The premise is there's something wrong with the mortgage servicing compensation that's preventing creditworthy borrowers from obtaining mortgages. I don't get it. How can that be?
0: Mortgage servicers don't make the set of credit standards, do they? I mean, they're not really in that part of the business.
2: David, absolutely not. I mean, you have to look to the GSEs, Fannie, Freddie, FHFA, VA uh, and FHA to really set the credit box.
0: Yeah, that that's
2: well, so earlier. Clear, so,
5: uh, yeah, what am I missing? Well, the urban institute points that to servicing costs, they they've risen uh-huh. dramatically since 2008. They've tripled for performing loans and they've grown by almost 5 times for non-performing loans.
0: Yeah, so you want to go, okay, so that's knowledge, so
5: <laughs> tell us more. Yeah, I guess uh, you know things that seem simple to us mortgage bankers uh, is made compli- complicated by applying a little academic logic or whatever you want to call it. The Institute does <laughs> point out, point to large banks exiting the servicing business and the slack being take a, taken up by non-banks. Wait, there's a link between banks
0: lowering their investment in MSRs and servicing costs rising? Connect the dots.
2: Uh, we, we, we find it hard to believe that. Um, and they never support that in the paper. You know, for legacy portfolios, increasing the cost uh, or the servicing cost is definitely a reduction in yield for those portfolios. But MSR values and, and MSRs are still a high-yielding asset. And notably absent from this discussion is the impact of Basel III, which limits MSRs as a percentage of capital and introduces a punishing risk-weighting for for MSRs, 250%. That is just outrageous. Isn't that the main reason that
0: banks are reducing their MSR investments?
5: Well, the, the False Claims Act is another culprit. Some of the very largest bank servicers vacated the FHA market because the False Claims Act made it impossible for them to calculate their exposure for errors and omissions on FHA loans. That's really interesting. It sounds like regulators are having more to do with or have more to do
0: with the changing landscape of mortgage servicing than servicing cost. Is that accurate?
2: Uh, You know, we'd have to agree with that. I mean, to their credit, the Urban Institute didn't just propose a solution. Instead, they have established this mortgage servicing collaborative that, that seeks to improve access to credit by identifying and generating support for reforms that address the high cost of servicing mortgages. Whoa, there you go again, saying that there's a link between the servicing costs and the credit box. You know, it's not us. I mean, that's a direct quote from the from the Urban Institute's announcement okay. of the servicing collaborative.
0: Can't you just let them know that they're they've reached a, an ero- erroneous conclusion? I mean,
5: <laughs> show them the error of their ways. You guys are highly yeah. influential. Well, I mean, we would hope so, but these kinds of things uh, take on a life of their own sometimes. You know, careers. Can be made or broken by the success of taking a stand on a position. Yeah, you know, I, I like taking stands, but now you're scaring me. You're saying we're
0: not supposed to. We shouldn't be doing that.
5: Well, we think that's the appropriate reaction. Uh, the Urban Institute has a lot <laughs> invested in this thesis. Uh, mortgage services should look at the Urban Institute site to get an idea of their thinking. Could you give us some examples? Uh, From the site, you can link to a a C-SPAN discussion panel that they sponsored on August 17, 2016. One of the panelists actually proposes a nonprofit servicing consortium to service all loans on some sort of fee-for-service scenario.
0: Wow. You start looking at how much the servicing industry has invested, its probably billions of dollars, in their systems and infrastructure. Would that cause huge loan losses or huge losses?
5: Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, earlier in the show, we were talking about there's still changes coming to servicing. It's never-ending. Well so that's just one reason the servicing industry needs to be on top and involved in this uh mortgage servicing collaborative. Are there more examples
0: of their thinking that we can that you can point to?
2: You know David another another thing the C-span panel talked about was MSRs and how volatile they are in the balance sheets of servicers. Uh, they proposed that somehow they would fix that by replacing the basis point denominated service fee with a fee-for-service model. Well, clearly they're not accountants. Both of these compensation models um, result in an asset that is subject to prepayment risk, uh, is negatively convex. And, frankly, that's what we do for a living to per- to, to wow. mitigate those risks. So let's get into that. Convex. So in convex,
0: what are you talking <laughs> about, Derek? Let's get into that.
2: Yeah, you know, that's another spot on your show uh, to, to explain <laughs> convexity. Um, so we let's, we let's, bring Andy let's not in when we explain today. convexity. <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah, that's what for example. Maybe we should
0: do, uh, we'll, we'll definitely want to do that on another program, but after all, hedging MSRs is what you guys do, and you're probably most notable and have been very successful in doing this for clients for over 20 years. So give us some, give, I'd love to get your thoughts on where this is all going.
2: Well, we'd have to figure out, a, you know, and that's probably another show, another way to present this. <laughs> um, visual aids uh, really do help a lot. Um, somehow we've got it to does. figure There's out a how to put our hedging into understandable words. But, uh, you know, certainly I think that's another, that's another show.
0: Well, we want to get to that at some point in time. I really want to continue because I do believe servicing is going to be a great long-term strategy. But let's talk about go back to the Urban Institute. How can our listeners find out more about what they're thinking? Seems like their thinking needs to be corrected. So let's understand try to understand their thinking.
5: How can they How can they learn more about it? Well, uh, their website pretty much uh, lays it out. Uh, they've got links to a number of articles. There's one piece titled, Non-Bank Servicer Regulation, New Capital and Liquidity Requirements Don't Offer Enough Loss Protection. <laughs> I'm, I'm chuckling because I'm looking at that title now. <laughs> What's that all about? Uh, they're basically saying that because non-banks own volatile MSRs, Jenny May's liquidity requirements are not stringent enough.
4: They never make
5: clear that Jenny services are only on the hook to advance delinquent payments, not as guarantors of the mortgage. Well,
0: so we probably – I guess I can now understand that's maybe the difference. Hasn't Jenny Mae been dealing with non-banks forever, though? Uh,
5: Yes. Uh, In fact, uh, I was with a private company known as Lomas and Edelton, they issued the very first. <laughs> that uh, little company, Google. yeah, that little little company yeah. in Dallas. That yeah. a long time ago. Well, until the early 1990s, they were the largest Jenny May servicer in the country, not a depository.
0: Wow. Uh, that is that you know I mean, You got to get that perspective. So Jenny May seized a significant number of portfolios in the late 80s because of servicing defaults. Is that correct?
5: Isn't that correct? That's at least that's yeah. my recollection. Well. By the way, they were almost all savings banks. At Lomas, we acquired ah. several of those portfolios from Jenny. So, is the banks that
0: default? I mean, the, the servicing. So, when Jenny <laughs> May serve, serve, sees the servicing, it had more to do with the regulated institutions, savings banks at that time. Interesting. Now, did Jenny May
5: lose any money on those deals? That's always. I don't think they
0: did, no. if I recall
5: correctly. No. I think you're right, uh, not as far as I can see. They may have advanced a few delinquent payments, but within wing- weeks they had transferred servicing to a new servicer, and and those new servicers reimbursed them for the advances they had already made. So those were those
0: days, and it was different times, or at least it seems like they are, or are we back to that
5: again? Uh, it was actually worse back then, at least if you were in Texas. Uh there were uh, an oil there was an oil pass patch bust in the late eighties and uh high delinquencies and foreclosures in places like Houston, Oklahoma City, Ardmore, Midland, Odessa, everywhere. Yeah, they it was all here We're gonna get Andy
0: Shell back on the phone here in just a minute. He's on the phone, we're gonna get him involved in the interview. I know he has a oh. question. He lived through that. I lived through that during that period of time. w first time I lived in Texas where I was going through some of that. It was it was painful. Now what's the bottom line of the paper that you coded?
2: Well basically the you know, it's as if the the rules uh, propagated by the GSCs, by Ginny May, by CF PB regulators and the states aren't enough. The paper proposed a prudential regulator to oversee non bank servicers. Just wait, man. I thought. Optic. Yeah. yeah okay, was, okay. Say that again. No, that's that's all I have. <laughs> oh, okay. I was gonna say I was
0: wondering. I thought. I say, but I thought the states and the and the, the C F P B did that. You know, and how will that reduce servicing costs? That's what I'm trying to sort through right
2: now. Well, you're finally getting it. I mean, there's no way that it reduces cost.
4: I guess our position
2: is that I guess our position is that, you know, servicing costs have been increasing at, you know, again three times for for performing loans and five times for non-performing loans. So servicing compensation probably should be adjusted. But let's get you know the things that really need to be done first. So housing reform. What do we do with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac? You know, what is the position on regulation with respect to new servicing standards? When will they stop? When can the uh, systems that have been put in place by these servicers really sort of catch up? And find out really what the servicing cost is. Then we can address compensation. But frankly, you know, if you said to me today, you know, what happens to servicing compensation? Well, it's got to go up.
0: Yeah. (coughs) It would seem like it would have to. Yes, go ahead. Jump in.
3: Yeah, this is Joe. I just wanted to ask here, uh, the little bit of reading I did about it before the show, I, I thought I was seeing things that were the institute or the collaborative getting together to try to solve some of the things that were done in reaction to the high level of delinquency uh, in, you know, in the years after 2008, thinking that the part of this might be a push to change regulatory requirements. Did, did I miss the boat there? Did I not read deep enough?
2: Joe, I don't think you missed the boat. I think there are lots and lots of issues that, this, that these think tanks are, are addressing. So that's one of them. Uh, one of the things that we were most concerned about was going back to a fee-for-service and thinking that that might be the, solv- the salvation for the mortgage banking business. Now, our, our interest really is in the health of this business. And obviously, the health of the servicing business—that's part of the part of the ecocentric or or ecocenter center of, of, of how these companies make money and survive.
5: So really interesting, Andy,
0: Andy Yeah, let's go ahead. Jump in. here. Well, uh, I know you got a lot of questions.
1: Well, listening to this and hearing about the Urban Institute's pr- perspective and proposal is—it's it's, it's ludicrous to the point of absurdity, and it, it's obviously crafted by someone who is not fully informed of the de- the details and the dynamics of uh, the servicing business. So I think it's great to be involved to help direct the ship. But how? See, help me understand the, the the risk here. What's the what's the reality of this? Is there is there a real risk that the Urban Institute's could uh, proposals could be picked up picked up by com- Congress or supported by the agencies or what, what? Where are we really as it relates to the
5: I think it's a very real risk. Uh, they're very well connected uh, in in Washington, and uh, they've got a lot invested in this topic. Uh, they were probably involved back in 2011 when it uh, first came up as an issue. But the industry was in such a state of flux that FHFA proposed, well, uh, oh, let's just take it off the table and uh, move forward. But it, it's it's resurrected. Their conclusion is so far wrong that you think there's some sort of agenda or political uh, yeah. motivation. But uh, it, it's hard to tell. I mean... The, the offering of this mortgage servicing collaborative is something the industry needs to focus on and be part of. So.
1: Well, if someone had That's said it. to me, "Let's have a let's have a central regulator controlled by one individual who has no accountability mm. to anybody in the government at all, and let's have that run the IMBs," I would have said, "That's not going to happen." And look, at we got the see <laughs> it So, yeah. So much mm-hmm. for my predictive ability.
5: Well, well, I don't it, I think bet, it'll happen again, yeah. but uh, it's something to be concerned about. Uh, the way they do it—I mean, the very talk about having a, a prudential regulator for non-bank servicers, uh, as if there weren't already enough.
1: Well, That's I'm concerning.
0: looking at the—I'm looking over at the Urban Institute's website, and we're reaching out to in anticipation of this podcast. I reached out to Lori Goodman there asking invited her to come out of the program and trying to make sense of some of this. It's really interesting. Well, let's go back to this. I'm getting some looking at some of the questions that are coming in from our listeners and I want to cover a couple of questions. One just wrote, I need to just break it down to this. Is this a good strategy? Should I can really focus? I've been building a company, planning on retaining servicing. Is that a good strategy? or is it not? What is Austin and David's recommendations?
2: I would say it depends.
0: Uh,
2: it depends on the, the capital are starting to structure. sound like an
0: attorney. Austin, <coughs> you know you're starting to sound like an attorney when you say that it depends. Yeah.
2: Well, it, it, <laughs> it depends on the capital but structure. It, it depends on the, on the strength of the origination uh, system. So we do that kind of advising, uh, but that's a, that's a different – you can't just say, you know, one size fits all.
0: So in other words, this is not a, it's just a real binary decision. It really gets in. There's a number of factors that should be driving the decision and doing so intelligently, right?
2: There's a decision tree, and it's you know it's pretty well defined, but you do have to go down.
0: Okay, I got another question right on the heels of that one. Is it changed? Has the decision tree changed in light of all of this? Are you taking people down different different paths as a result of the latest developments?
5: Yes, uh, you know, the the uh not fair lending, but uh you know, we're we're fa- yeah, false claims act. Uh Yep. That's been in the FHA world uh, huge uh some the very largest servicers like Chase have gotten out. I was just looking at an announcement that City is getting totally out of servicing by the end of 2018. Yeah, for the, for other reasons and that uh, so I mean those those are huge factors. This could be a an additional huge factor. If we have a prudential regulator, will they feel compelled right. to come up with their own servicing guidelines? You know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. So, so these that are goes. To the last question. Yeah, these are worries, but
0: but not necessarily deal breakers. So more Correct. concerns. The one question I want to just look at the clock. We need to cut it off. But uh, one last question one of our listeners wrote says: Is do you have any unique insights into the what the Trump administration might be doing with Fannie and Freddie? That's a loaded question. But I mean, who does have any insights? But I think they're wanting your thoughts. Uh, we not yet. <laughs> <laughs> not, yet. No, I I, not yet we're going to be we're going to be maintaining status quo will be will will be the standard here for a little while yet so it'll be really interesting yeah. well, i want to thank you both for being here we've had as our guests again austin tillman and david stevens with united capital markets located in denver i highly recommend you get a hold of them so austin as the ceo what's the best way for people to connect with you sir
2: Uh, Either our website, which has our contact information, uh, it's www.ucm-inc.com, my direct line is 303-268-8402, and Dave is 8409. Excellent. Appreciate you guys coming. I can't believe we didn't
0: have you on in 2016. We're not going to make that mistake again. We got to have you on regularly. You are just a great resource. I want to say thank you to you both for taking time out of your busy day to join us. This fine day. Appreciate you. Look forward to well, thank seeing you, to one Dave. The next, see you at one of the next conferences where we bump into each other all the time. So much really appreciate you. Thank you so much for being here. Also thank you to Andy and Joe Fard being here with us. They join in and always make the discussions fascinating and a little bit, also a little more compelling, a lot more compelling, and the content they provide is just such good. So, good to have you with us. Next week, we're going to have Kyle Nicholas McRae of American Pacific Mortgage joining us. We're talking about innovation, some real interesting stuff that we've learned about what American Pacific Mortgage is doing out there in the Sacramento area. They're actually in uh, Rockland, California, but it's up in the Sacramento area. So, uh, other than they've been getting deluge with a lot of rain, we're going to get an update on some of the innovation thing, innovative things. We're always looking for innovative ideas. So, for you that are listening to this program, if you see that there's something that you would like to see us cover, suggest it. Email me. I look forward to hearing from you. David at TMS-Advisors.com. Look forward to having you back next week, everyone. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here next week.
2: This has been Lickin' on Lending, a weekly
0: mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin, of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us again next week, and thank you for listening.